Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. You are listening to episode 81. We have crossed the threshold of 80. Oh, baby. We are in season three and we're, I, I guess I can't speak for both of us, but I'm super excited about this season, about this episode, and about all of the wonderful guests and you, Grant, that I get to talk to every week. I'm glad you didn't speak for both of us, because I... <laughs> no, wow, man, man, I'm hyped as well. Of course I am. I love doing the show with you. I love putting this out and sharing it with people. And like you said, we're we're hyped on season three. It's going to be a good one. It's already started. It is underway. It is happening. <sighs> that felt good. I want to give some shouts out real quick to our sponsor for the first episode of the season, and that is friend of the show, Death to Stock. You're sort of, I was going to say one-stop source for beautiful imagery. It really is, though. It's It's a great, great platform, a great tool for people kind of looking to level up their game, whether that's using photos for blogs or in designs. I'm a huge fan of it. I work on a bunch of projects with those guys, and I would highly recommend it for you if you're looking for something a little more unique and with some great style. Not only is it a a great resource practically, and they put out a great product, but they have a great philosophy. Oh, hell yeah. Um, the, The desire to work with creative people and, and make more creative opportunities and higher quality creative opportunities possible for people who are making things. Now, that's something that we really can get behind as a show. And as friends, we really like these guys that actually that are behind Death to Sock. Hell yeah, but uh... Uh, So with that said, we hope you are excited like we are for season three. And I hope personally that you really enjoy episode 81 Self-definition. I feel like in some ways I was like, not maybe not for this moment, but I was just like born ready to go. I, and, and also I, it was less of a, a birthing as it was an escape. An evacuation. I was I was two months early. I'm curious, Vince. Uh, I've had this burning curiosity, this question that has been on the tip of my tongue, as it were. I just want to ask you, what are you, Mr. Vince Kochi, putting your time into? What are you working on? I'm glad you asked, Grant. Um, we just finished a pitch for work. Uh, I work at Yamamoto, obviously. And uh, it was really exciting. Can't say too much about it yet. It's an electronics brand. Uh, it was really a fun team effort. Uh, we did some really good creative, but it was keeping me busy even on weekends for a while. Uh, other than that, put up a new website for these parts. Ooh. Um, yeah. It was Squarespace? Fun. Yes, it was. It was. Square space, which has a space in your and my hearts, I know. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> really great program. An, an equal equilateral space. Yeah, a, ge- ah. a geometric equilateral space in both our hearts. Truly, Vince. Um, uh, so yeah, that's cool. Kept me busy. Where, where can people find that? Theseparts.com? Podcast.com. Thesepartspodcast.com. Lovely. I'll check it out. I'll give you some notes. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, that's been keeping me busy. Grant, what about you? I'm sure plenty has kept you busy. What have you been putting your time into recently? Uh, a few things. I believe this will be our first episode of the year, huh? It sure will. Fantastic. Welcome back for season three, 10,000 hours. That's exciting. Um, so we've been casting more. We were on a bit of a hiatus. That's been nice. It's been good to chat with you, Mr. Vin. Uh, besides that, dude, I am I am just hours removed uh, from my first DJ gig, which was last night. No at, shit. Yeah, at the Weissman Art Museum. Uh, pretty dope. Oh, that's sick. How'd yeah, it go? It was great. Uh, huge turnout, honestly. I think they had like, I think they had over a thousand people come through the exhibit and come through the party, which was sick. Um, and it went really well. It didn't drop the ball ever, and <laughs> people seemed to respond pretty well, had had some homies come out, so it was uh, it was cool. It was, a, it was a bit exhilarating. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Sorry I wasn't there. I know. <laughs> Me too, man. What an opportunity for you to solidify yourself 
in my life and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was happening. Miss invited. No, I you're at it. Guest list. That's my bad. I'll hit you up for the next one. There'll be more. There will be more. I mean, besides that, there truly will be more. Uh, I don't know if you've seen. I guess we haven't really publicly put put the announcement out, but uh, we've got some kind of new branding and a brand new show title for. Uh, FKA, formerly known as Six Days of Tokyo. It's now known as Lucid, and that show will be on February 12th, Friday, February 12th, at Public Functionary. So it's an art show I've been working on for quite some time now, and uh, that's coming together, and I'm super hyped about it. I am excited to see that, man. Yeah, it'll be dope. It'll be dope, my brother. Uh, the thing is about uh, you know this this particular cast, which is exciting, our first one back, for the year, I've been really thinking about that, you know, in the inner hiatus. And as I've been working on this art show, a lot of it's been looking inward, certainly, but just considering what I want to express. Uh, typically, my work is artistic, I would say, but it's less common that I am looked upon as the artiste. You know, like, uh, it's not like I'm it's not just a purely art show. Typically, there's some sort of goal, well, even that if that's a music video or something, I'm kind of bouncing off of something else and, and sure. I'm using it to support an idea or communicate. And uh, this art show has really made me look inward, like I said, and just think about what I want to say and, and how I want to say it and who I am, blah, 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 blah. And if there's any phrase that has been used, I don't want to quite say abused, but used more often than, than another uh, in the last two seasons of the show, it's been self-awareness. Something we we both uh, believe very highly in the power of, uh, something that we both think is very important to the creative process and to personal growth in general. Totally. I mean, we say everything stems from there. We always talk about that. It's like it starts with self-awareness and then all things go forth from there. Um, but something I've been coming to terms with over the past couple months, I would say, is this idea of not just self-awareness, but self-definition. And I guess part of that is self-expression. But it's to say that, well, at a certain point, it's not just about dusting off uh, and revealing what's beneath. I think in some ways it's defining what's beneath and deciding what you want that to become. And, and maybe it stems from a place of self-awareness, but I feel like my theme of 2016, at least so far, is self-definition. Very interesting, Grant. Um, and uh, just as a first blush, it's it already makes sense, I think. Uh, but I think what would be good for me, kind of as an introduction to this idea, is to maybe talk about the difference in plain language between self-awareness and self-definition. Yeah, okay. To me, self-awareness is specifically saying I am taking an active role in understanding my motivations. Really, it's about understanding motivations to me. Um, and part of that, I guess, is taste, understanding my own taste and understanding my own influences, understanding what, what genuinely gets me excited it's like tapping into authenticity and it's something that you can't really fake. You know, it's, um, I guess it really does have a lot to do with taste. I just think of like, if you have like three different types of food in front of you and it's like, it's basically just deciding like being genuine and tapping into, Oh, I like this the most, or I like this more, or my palate is this. Um, and I, and then I guess yeah, tied to that is motivation. That seems to be a really big thing there. What what actually gets you motivated? What is the thing that um, you're driven to do, or that your actions stem from? Does that make sense to you? It yeah, it makes total sense. Um, so in in a way, certainly the the pursuit of achieving self-awareness or achieving higher levels of self-awareness can be active, but the pursuit itself is kind of passive. It's reflective. Mm -hmm. It's uh, understanding things about yourself that are already true. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, I think, I think I've always considered there to be a degree of definition in that, although I wouldn't have said that before. But, you know, I, because uh, your taste evolves. and But really, to me, it's always been about... Um, tapping into that evolution versus maybe saying or defining an evolution. You know, with if you drink enough wine and you continue to drink wine and you take an active role in that and you study it, your taste evolves. But I guess I had 
considered this whole idea that has kind of been a bedrock for us creatively, especially uh, to be brushing back the brushing back what what was obscuring you from your awareness and it was it was we've always considered self-awareness to be an ongoing active thing but i think that um self-definition is the next phase of that and (laughs) yeah it's it's uh it's funny i'm actually thinking of a of a for the longest time with pickles i like knew i wanted to like pickles but i hated them i swear probably like six years and I just kept, I actually remember this. Yeah, yeah, this is a real thing. And <laughs> I had a I have a close friend who to this day we would occasionally well she's no longer close but we would just send each other pictures of of each other uh, eating pickles because we both hated them but we both wanted desperately to like them. <laughs> uh, and after a certain point, I like started to like pickles. And maybe that's just the evolution of even my body and my palate. But I don't know. I think there's something to be said about intention and setting an intention and then manifesting it. It also should be said that you might want to take a pregnancy test, Grant. <laughs> I hear those things can no, but <laughs> that's that's interesting. So my question for you is: I think I kind of understand where you're coming from as like a definition of the two Sh- concepts. Sure. Do you see them as a yin and yang, or a step one, step two? Well, hmm, I could be off base here but you like to think of yourself as progressing and growing and to me this isn't the same idea completely uh, just from a different perspective I do think it's like an evolution of the idea and so maybe it is a step one and a step two to a degree because because that really is that is the next step for me it's it was like oh really tapping into stuff self-awareness who am I who am I what do I want what do I want Uh, what do I like and just really hammering that question. And then now I, I just feel like, I feel like because I at least have a level of self-awareness and I'm tapped into my motivations and I'm checking in on that. And I don't want to say I've achieved that. Like it can be really that achieved. I, I will say the next step for me is, Oh, defining what, what I want that to look like in a year in two years right now. And it's more about definition uh, derived from awareness. Okay, good. I, I because that's how I feel about it too. Kind of uh, just my initial feelings mm-hmm. is that it's not like you can you can say, "All right, self awareness achieved." Check mark. <laughs> yeah. Now moving on to self definition, uh, and it, and it's not like you have to ignore self definition until you feel more self aware. They kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I, I think it's maybe it's a manifestation of another idea that that we've had and we've talked about at length on this show that you you've always got to be making progress Mm -hmm. Uh, there's only so much research fact finding and and intake that you can do before you need to make something you need to propel Mm. Uh, and so maybe self-awareness in this way can be kind of quantified as an intake sort of yes yes so you're taking things in truths about yourself you're understanding things you're being more of a witness to your own actions. And then self-definition is how you apply this information. Absolutely. It's the creative side of it. It's the actual creation. And maybe part of that then is me coming to terms with uh, maybe emerging somewhat from the input phase of my career. Um, not that not that, like, that that's an ach- achievement or achievable, but it is like, oh, I think I'm more interested in now uh, really creating my own style versus just understanding styles and understanding who I think I am. (laughs) Now we're we're just getting so abstract. (laughs) Do you think this is like intake and output uh, creatively though? Like, will you, will you enter another self-awareness phase? Do you think? And then enter another self-definition phase afterward? I don't know. That's like con- there's a constant ebb and flow in that, I guess. And we talked about that. And I think that's a natural part of my process. Maybe I'm just feeling like extra Maybe I'm just feeling like I eh, more than ever I've had to just make decisions versus like really considering all of the elements just cuz I've been trying so many new things, whether that's been like DJing or like musically trying to work on stuff and doing this art show and it's like, I don't know. 
it's it's uh there's like less time to be in a considered input phase and be oh. like oh who am I? What shall I express this day? <laughs> it's more like just create. And it's maybe coming into my own and or at least struggling to come into my own and tap into the intuition and just make based on that versus making based on thinking about all of the things. But I guess so I guess part of that is to say when I'm let's say I sit down and I have to do the work because this thing is coming up. I need this needs to be done. And I'm not feeling particularly inspired. And maybe my style, like that's maybe the thing. I look at a lot of other artists. So, okay, this is part of coming to terms with being an artist is to say, I look at other artists and when they're creating stuff, especially a cohesive body of work, it, it has that, <laughs> the cohesiveness, it has the glue, the stickiness that it feels like it's one. So when I'm thinking about that and creating art, I'm trying to think about what is, the what is that what is that style what is that glue and so i need to decide i can't really just like let it reveal itself i think it's just taking a it's like the next stage of being active in your own in your own identity and style that is what it's sounding like to me my question is do you believe in this sort of i don't i don't want i hesitate to call it a myth but maybe it's like um it's a cultural mythology in general that you can't fight your nature. This is the idea that, all right, maybe you were able to learn to love pickles over time because you really wanted to, but there are some people that no matter how much they want to learn to love pickles, they never can and never will. And that seems to be at odds to me, at least with self-definition. Uh, hmm. Can you can you talk to that? Or oh no, as, you're you're, you're not misinterpreting it at all. At all, I think it is me reconsidering that whole notion, almost of of just nature. It's like we we often think of creativity as this like innate thing, and it's just expression of that thing. But oh, I, I've always believed in just working through it because I don't feel that I'm particularly like I'm high energy and inclined to create, but uh, I feel like anything I've created has taken a lot of effort. And although I would say leaning into your natural flow or your intuition or whatever versus fighting it, there's, it's definitely, it could be more productive over time. But I also think that (laughs) like to say that you just could, you can't like deconstruct, even okay let's just like take the romance completely out of some sort of art and just say like i can basically deconstruct if i put enough effort into it a different artist and then try and replicate that with some nuance and that's still a thing mm-hmm. and so it, that being like the emotionless kind of cold version of that i think there's a warmer version that i'm striving for that's just saying i <laughs> It's not even just taking an active role in your awareness. I think it's just like defining what you want to be. And so I don't. I don't. Th- I think you can fight your nature. I, th- I think it's a little bit more nuanced or complicated than yes or no. But I think if we were to say, is it possible to fight your nature? I would say yes, and I would say to varying degrees, but maybe to some really high degrees. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think uh, the the important and sometimes overlooked nuance to this idea is something that you already mentioned, that you you can fight your nature. Many people do, very successfully even. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ranging ev- from everything from, I don't like science and mathematics, but my job demands I be, this is not true of me, but this is a hypothetical situation, but my job demands it, so I learn it. Uh, so I could be a better, you know, employee provider, uh, ranging from that all the way to addiction, right? People mm-hmm. in their nature are compelled to do things sometimes that are self-destructive. Mm-hmm. They have to fight that uh, to lead a healthier life. Um, I think what you mentioned, though, is that sometimes understanding your true nature can lead to increased productivity, efficiency, and happiness while you do something. Uh, so if you can kind of Find the balance, like mm-hmm. we often say, mm-hmm. uh, like in all things, uh, between what your nature is to do and what you 
what you would love to envision yourself being able to do, if you can find the intersections and the overlaps, I feel like that is really where the the golden mean lies. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally, totally. And we're we're sort of dancing around that, but it's um, we're talking about growth and about pushing yourself. I think if we give into our nature, like a lot of growth wouldn't happen. And so maybe oh, absolutely, maybe this is just um, this philosophy is just a pep talk to myself to say that I have to, it's part of the next stage of growth or it's part of continual growth is to not just stand by and, and be Zen and be aware. It's to define and to create and to build. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe to me, it's, it's a little more than that. It's a little more, I think, uh, I mean, profound is sometimes used ironically, but I, I do think it's a little more important than that it's kind of a, a reminder that you have agency in your own future. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, with without some sort of active propulsion, you will stagnate. And there's only so many things you can learn about yourself. Uh, it, it's not a, an endlessly deep well. Dude, but. absolutely. And you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it more, it probably digs back even to some of my bigger philosophies or, or, or issues that I wrestled with earlier on especially like religiously, but like when I think about like predestination, mm. things like that or destiny um, or maybe in lighter terms, truth. Uh, I feel like oftentimes when we, even when we say self-awareness, we're talking about just revealing truth. But I think, I think truth even is more nuanced than, than it first seems. And you can learn to love something in the same way that, like, that's not natural per se. It's manufactured, but that doesn't make it less true. Oh, pr- precisely. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'm curious, Vin, like, where where do you even feel like you stand? We've talked so much about self-awareness, but even self-definition-wise, maybe throwing that into the equation, like, how... how how do you feel personally about the idea of self-definition or self-awareness? Like, do you feel like you're pretty tapped into yourself? Tapped into yourself? <laughs> to, to yeah. Turn a phrase. I think as a benefit of the fact that we were borderline, not even borderline, fully obsessed with the idea. Yeah, yeah. Over the last couple of years, you and I, even before we started the show, something we would talk about, mm-hmm. um, it, it has helped me to be more self-aware. I think that's... One of my strengths is that I consider myself a pretty self-aware person. Mm-hmm. The practical applications of this are, for a long time, being in this industry and surrounding myself with such cool and innovative and industrious people. Uh, there was maybe like a, there's a disconnect that uh, I feel like uh, that feeling of not doing enough, yeah. you know, underachieving maybe. Yeah, um, that was something that. That still does plague me, but plagued me a lot in my uh, maybe four, three, four years ago. But once you start to understand like the things you actually want and the things that actually make you happy, that you don't have to. What what is a, an acceptable level of production and mm-hmm. involvement for one person doesn't necessarily have to translate, even if you have a lot of things in common with that person. Totally. And so, under learning to like understand that and learning that like. I'm not going to be the guy that reads 100 books a year, but I could be the guy that reads 15 books a year. And I'm not going to be the guy that's in like 12 projects at the same time, but I can be the guy that's like got three projects going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And being happy with that has gone a long way. Now, I I think though, I think though, um, this, the switch between self awareness and self-definition could also do me some good because I, I do feel like maybe I got a little indulgent this last year with the sort of philosophical, you know, Buddha on a rock, yeah. meditating. Pat ourselves on the back. Yes. So sort of, this is just the way I am, man. I understand <laughs> that now. That makes me happy. But that's, that's not always the answer. That can be the answer, but that's not always the full story. And I think that's kind of what resonates with me when you talk about self-definition. Mm. What I would like to know from you is, if this is a semi-recent, like, months, a month kind of, you I'd know, say, change I'd say thing, months. I'd say months. Several months change in your thinking process. What kind of, like, active steps have either you taken because of this shift in philosophy, or have you witnessed change within yourself because of this philosophy? Hmm. Hmm. 
Um, I think, okay. Actually, you know what, dude? If I was going to trace back roots of this, I would say, uh, man, this honestly even has roots back to last year. I would say, especially <laughs> not just because of the environment, but I did have like a moment at Coachella last year mm. where, cause I'd been meditating on a few different ideas. Cause this was, uh, ramping up to my TEDx talk at the U and like that, <laughs> that was a good exercise in forcing myself to the flames. So like my face to the flames of like, Ooh, what the hell do I have to say? Like what's worth it. Mm. And so I just like thought about so much stuff and, uh, going to Coachella, I hadn't really seen, um, production of that magnitude ever like that's so huge just the the amount of people the the lights the 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 level of production and i i remember it was like the end of uh saturday night and uh i was watching the weekends uh show on the main stage and he brought out kanye kanye west and like you know he's just an obvious showman but like the way he just controlled the crowd and the way he just absolutely had everyone's attention. Like that moment just stuck with me for a while. And I just remember considering that and like still occasionally thinking about that moment, like, wow, you need to, if you have something to say, you have to say it. And like, no one's just going to hand you that sort of energy. And I'm not saying that's the goal is to like be performing like Kanye, but it was like, Oh, if you want to be an artist, then like you need to be an artist. Like the point of you being an artist is having something to say. And it's not just about like tapping into yourself, <laughs> quote unquote. So I feel like that has led just a lot of thoughts about de definition and expression and style. And then I, especially toward uh, the end of this year, I don't know, that sort of manifested. So um, that being said, um, hmm, I don't know, man. I feel like just, just uh, being more... I don't want to say performing. I, I think, but it's like every time, cause I feel like I'm leading a lot of projects and I've always been in that sort of role, but now really just like pushing that and almost, I guess in some ways, I, I don't know. I, it's, it feels to me like I'm applying this mentality, but just like really being a leader and getting over some of my insecurities, uh, especially around, asking too much of people or like, obviously I'm still sensitive to that, but like right now, uh, I started, I don't know, I guess we haven't talked about this either. <laughs> we, uh, off show noted, uh, David Cherry and death to stock. So I took on like, uh, like a creative director role. So now I'm like on retainer and like doing that, like not full time, but quite a bit. It's taking up a lot of time and that's been a huge opportunity and I'm so excited about it. But like now I'm managing or I'm like, leading creative directing like 10 artists right now and it's like if i am passive that uh that just l leads us off course it leads like a bunch it's doing of people a disservice off course. to the entire operation yeah so not not only in self like self-definition for me it's like uh, self-definition for that brand. Like it's how, like I need to define that brand. So I need to define myself and I need to decide how I want to behave as a leader and how I want things to go or what I'm trying to do. So I just feel like it's just, it's, it's really caused me to get over some of the, some of the gray area stuff when I'm in a conversation and be more direct, be more direct in feedback and stand by my, Stand by my feedback. It, I was going to say, it's not critique, but yeah, stand by my critiques and saying like, I don't think that works or I don't think this is right or I don't, not that I don't think this is good, but I don't know. I think I'm just giving more direct and hopefully helpful feedback and that's leading to better results for all of the people I'm collaborating with. Because like right now, I'm collaborating with so many fucking people. Like, and so I, it's basically uh, uh, me taking the next stage of of defining all of the work that I'm trying to do and all of the collaborations that I have going on. I, that's really interesting. First of all, I'm, I'm glad that sounds like it's, it's working. It, sounds it seems like okay. Yeah. Producing results, which I think is really cool. And I'm happy for you in that regard. Sure. But, um, it's also interesting to me because as we talk about this, it's kind of, 
it's revealing itself to me in a, a little bit of a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe self-awareness is an understanding of, of yourself. Self-definition um, can sort of be the way you want to be understood by others. Mm-hmm. Because it's you creating, basically, uh, a way of life for yourself. Uh, it's it's kind of going to lead naturally to perception by others. And self-definition can be really useful, it seems to me, in how you want to be regarded, how you want to be collaborated with, how other people understand the things that you're doing and saying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just hearing you say that, I'm realizing that maybe this was... Um, this whole vibe for me has been kind of the next stage of ambition, and I don't mean that in like too aggressive of a way, but I just mean you don't I, mean in the Patrick Bateman sort of way. No, uh, you would uh, love this. Quick, quick aside: I've been mixing in the Patrick Bateman uh, intro to American Psycho occasionally at like either the beginning or the end of my DJ sets, uh, and <laughs> that could really change the vibe of a set. I dude, it was so funny last night. Last night at the end of uh, the set at the Weissman, they were like telling me to like try and get the people out of there, like you know, like. Like we played some like goofy loop that was like kind of uncomfortable and made people like leaving because it was like uh, time had uh, elapsed. Uh, the show was over and there was like maybe like 20 of us left in there and I was just with my homies. I was like uh, the dudes I work on a bunch of projects with and they had stuck around and we were just playing that, which typically I've only, I've only DJed at our house. You know, I've DJed, <laughs> you know, a hundred sets here, but I often mix that in and I just threw that on for, for the gigs and we just went crazy. And the, the like lady who had hired me just like gave me the fucking worst glare. She was like, oh, what, like, what are you doing? But uh, it was fine. It it worked out. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't mean it like Patrick Bateman, but I do mean it in, uh, like I really want to do dope stuff, like on a on a high level. And so, to me, I think it's been thinking about like if that's you know what it is. It's oh, is that something you really want? And that that stage is self awareness. That's what it is. Okay, so tapping into what what is your actual motivation? So Grant, do you like what are your goals? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Like who are the people you're looking up to? And that's something I've thought about a lot and have continued to evolve and continue to be inspired by. But then the the next stage, I think, when I think of self definition, then it's almost like we could say self awareness is is like goal setting, and self definition is goal execution. Mm, mm-hmm. It because if if I want to do that, then I know. Or my guess is, there's no clear path always, but it's like, then you need to be this type of person. And if you want to be that type of person, then you need to define yourself as such. Or, you, you know, I've always kind of run away from identity in those ways. But I think in in some more general terms, we could say, like, it, it's really just about tapping back into, like, I think a little bit of that hustle, a little bit of ambition and a little bit of the work ethic. And I'm not saying that, like, has subsided, but it's just like, and maybe refocusing different energies or consolidating, et cetera, et cetera, for efficiency. But um, that, I guess that kind of is now what I'm coming to terms with as we're talking here. Well, I, I'm kind of, I'm glad in a way, sort of a, in a, you know, the snake of the world eats its own tail kind of way <laughs> that it comes back to um, work ethic in, in one regard, because I really, I really do feel like, it's almost the ship it version of self-awareness. <laughs> like you, once you understand enough about yourself, do something with it. Don't just understand stuff about yourself. Yeah. We, we talk about self-awareness as this ongoing process, but like <laughs> you, it really is the Oribis. It will just eat itself. And, <laughs> and then where, where have we moved to? So yeah, it's like, it's self-awareness in action. Let's like go ship it, man. I love it, Vinny. Well, I, what I also love are conversations or, or maybe ruminations or experiences that reveal something about the world that we didn't previously know. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the... So, sorry, I was just agreeing. I was nodding my head, and then I was just waiting for you to keep going. Like classic radio call and response. <laughs> uh, so, for an off-topic topic today... Uh, let's talk about something like that. Something like documentaries, maybe. Ooh, baby. Yeah, I've been on a tip with those. I mean, a lot of when we talk about it, self-awareness, the input stage is that for me. 
um, is diving into documentaries. Almost no better uh, source of inspiration. Perhaps a good book, but documentaries, uh, they scratch an itch for me that it's the like, it's like not just a fanboy itch, but the obsessive creative uh, uh, gene that I have, which is like, and I'm super obsessed with how people get... I mean, that's why we have this fucking show. It's like a lot of my projects even revolve around that. That Nice Direction project that I'm doing, which still isn't out, but it has made a bunch of progress. I'm so excited to show you. Um, I'm so excited to see it. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I love documentaries kind of for, for two main reasons. One is, of course, truth is stranger than fiction. Hmm. Hearing about interesting ripples in life that... Make, it makes it more compelling than even a, a really good fictional work. And secondly is because documentarians, the good ones, good filmmakers, can really show off storytelling acumen when you're telling a real series of events. Yeah. And you, when you're working within the limitations of the truth, it creates some very compelling results. Absolutely. And it's... There are tricks, but it's a lot harder to cheat or to take a shortcut. Cheat is definitely the wrong word. But I think with narrative stuff, you can sort of just like, because you're the the owner of the story, you can go wherever you want. But with a documentary, it's like, how do I accurately portray this idea? Or how do I, you know, especially working on... I mean, whatever about budgets, but just like capturing... It's like a photo. It's like a... You're, you're, it's real life. And it's harder and sometimes you do have to manufacture things to tell the truth but that whole style of filmmaking is really man it's an impressive art when done well i couldn't agree more and i'm sure there will be detractors who would uh who would point out that given the subject matter of a documentary it's all the easier to spin and manipulate your audience which is not necessarily untrue yeah but i think i less cynically my appreciation for good documentarians is the fact that the best ones get out of the way of the story and framing it very subtly is what takes it from being an interesting factoid to like a life-changing film totally have you did you watch making a murderer i sure did i sure did um i didn't just to be clear (laughs) oh well i get i won't spoil anything you you, you can i don't really care uh i'm not gonna watch it it was uh, not as compelling to me as it was hyped up to be. Um, the hype was real, certainly. Oh, it was meteoric. It was mercurial. Yeah, it was. It was serial, dude. It was serial level hype. Which is another, you know, project that I really liked but didn't love. I think they both suffer from the the same problem to me, being that they're both a little exhaustive. Meaning, yeah. I think they they belabored their point. And secondly, even though they're on the side of justice in a way, I think they're on, on the side of trying to bring to light facts. They, to me, didn't really get out of the way of the story that well. Mm-hmm. It was clear that they were coming from a place of opinion, which is fine. Yep. Especially if the opinion is a righteous one, so to speak. But I, it kind of took me out of it. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I only listened to an episode of Serial too. I, I think there's a part of me that's just like counter to the popular thing was occasionally. And with both of those things, it was just like, huh, I'm not going to get in the mix on these. <laughs> it's so hyped. It's like, how could it possibly live up? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed both. I'm glad that I, I got through both series, but, um, nice. And yeah. Also when I, my favorite documentaries are always kind of like, non-political, non-important. Yeah. I think my favorite all-time documentary, I think we probably even talked about this on the show, was Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Oh, so This good. is on Netflix, so you guys can listen, you guys can watch it if you're so inclined. But this microcosm, this this tiny little slide in the movie of life that is just so unbelievable and presented with such, with such a quaintness such artistry i was completely enamored yeah and that's a beautiful film wow yeah good call <laughs> that's that should be watched <laughs> i would recommend it to anyone who's even just a fan of films 
Grant, what about you? Do you have um, any favorites you've seen recently or yeah, yeah, yeah. classics oh, that you want to know? Cer- certainly. Um, I think uh, Our Vinyl Weighs a Ton is on Netflix as well. That's uh, the story of Stone's Throw Records, Peanut Butter Wolf, they got Jay Dilla in the mix, uh, Mad Lib. It's like so interesting. It's just like independent record label and all these guys coming up and they get a bunch of artists talking about it. It's just really pretty badass. Um, I watched Side by Side last week. Uh, it's Keanu Reeves, which really impressed me, man. Just the thoughtfulness with which he approached it. But it's it's basically talking about film, uh, cinema, film and cinema versus digital shooting in cinema, and then it explores a little bit of the history of film and and then uh, the evolution of digital and kind of it, it it has all of these major players. I mean, just a lot of directors and DPs, Christopher Nolan. Uh, Tarantino, Scorsese, yeah, a lot of the big guys. Those are some names. Yeah, I've heard of those names. Yeah, you've heard those names, and then some actors. It's just, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I would say it's a good one to like work during. You know, whereas something even like Arvano weighs a ton, or what else? Oh my god, this is not. This is an obscure one, but one that fucking rocked me. It's called Torrents Rising. I think I've riffed about this to you before. It's Spike Jones. Mm. Um. I, I don't know if it exists on the internet. I watched it because it's on the DVD from uh, Palm Pictures director's label. It's like these... Yeah, it's it's Spike Jones label, and there's like four DVDs they put out of directors, and they're all their music videos, and then these like B-sides, essentially, like little films they made that aren't anywhere else. So it's like Michelle Gondry, uh, Chris Cunningham, Spike... Uh, there's one more, but anyway, on Spikes is, um, well, there's all of his music videos and there's one called, or there's a music video he made called Praise You for Fatboy Slim. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. Familiar with the song. Are you familiar with the video perhaps? Or no? I'm not familiar with the video. It's uh, basically like the OG kind of flash mob. It, it's all like VHS style, like lo-fi shot. And it's these guys, um, it's kind of corny, looking dance group that just starts dancing with a boombox in like on the Hollywood uh on Hollywood Boulevard in front of this theater and like it's just so cheesy and awesome and like there's a little bit of drama within it of like people trying to stop them and it's like just kind of funny so that music video was awesome music video that music video ended up winning um video music uh uh, or at the VMAs, so music video of the year, as video music of the year. But uh, <laughs> and uh, well, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, but not really. You know this right away. So Spike Jones is in that video, and he is playing a character named Richard Cuffey, the leader of of this fictional dance group called the Torrance Community Dance Group, and <laughs> and this documentary explores their road to the VMAs. So it's like them getting invited. They find out they get invited to perform at the VMAs in New York City. And it's like their preparation and then them on the road and then performing. And he stays in character the entire time, Spike Jones does. And then <laughs> and then like accepts the award for director of the year as Richard Cuffey, never once saying Spike Jones. And like I don't think I don't certainly not everyone knows that he's just cheesing them. Like he's just fucking around. And it's like, honestly, dude, that was a piece of art that hit me. Like, wow, this is commitment. And this is next level. Like fucking amazing. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. I don't even know if or what we could show now for that, but I I bet there's a article or maybe it is online somewhere. I pray it's, it's only 30 minutes. It's like beautiful. I'd really like to see it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, cool shit like that. Stuff that I would never have even known about. That's my favorite subject matter. Dude, quick aside. There's. I've been watching. I, I've just been on a tear with this stuff, which is why I was thinking about it. But uh, my roommate had recommended this uh, little mini series from, I believe it's Vice. I think it was Vice, and it's um, on ASAP Rocky and like the ASAP crew, and it's called like Suddenly, but instead of an A, it's a V, and there's like missing some vowels and stuff. But there's like a five-part miniseries, and it's just like so indulgent and ludicrous, but it's like amazing because it's so far removed from our lifestyles. Maybe we can show notes that it's ridiculous. Damn, yeah, I like to, I'd like to watch all this stuff. All so. right, all right, very cool. 
I'm closing thoughts. Any documentaries you want to see that you haven't seen yet? Mm, I can't think of any. I'm sure there. Oh, you know what? Actually, a uh, friend of the show, episode 79? No, 78 or 77. Ryan Booth. Yeah, 77. He, 77. He shot a, a documentary about the making of The Revenant. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and that is out now. I think it's like Unseen something maybe we can find that in show notes it but the real title will be in the notes um but that's cool he's an excellent filmmaker and he's an interesting guy so yeah I dude imagine that's it's badass he's rubbing shoulders with leo and uh Inyaritu. so basically dicaprio is a friend of the show too thanks to dicaprio front of the show we'll show notes dicaprio <laughs> uh, really hoping he leo d gets a nod how about that uh the the internal feud that DiCaprio won't cow to the cabal of the Oscar nomination. Wait, what feud? Well, it's a it's an imagined or maybe overstated feud between Leo and the Academy. Oh yeah, 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 certainly. You know what? Totally. Uh, on the menu, there's like a I think we have a Chromecast, and I think it like cycles through like movies that are on, and uh, like it, it'll have a little tagline for them. So it's like the intern. It's like. Oh, nine to five for blah blah blah. It's just like these quirky little things. The Revenant comes on the screen, and it just goes. the The tagline is "Somebody wants an Oscar." <laughs> I know. I'm like, wow. Google just trolling Leo. Nicely done. Well memed, Google. Well done. Yeah, man. Um, pfft. speaking of documentaries, what is this show but a documentary of our lives, of the passing I mean, of time? Kind of right. Yeah. It's, uh, it the thing that I love about doing 10,000 hours is that we get to get real insights from cool people that I wouldn't otherwise get to have a conversation with. And I'm making a joke, but I'm not like, we don't have to go to therapy because this is a version of it. (laughs) It really is like, it is, it is. It's cathartic to me. Certainly man. Likewise. (sighs) It is kind of lame that you send me an invoice for every episode though. (laughs) And that's kind of been a bit of a sticking point in our friendship, our relationship. But four hundred dollars an hour is the friend and family rate, dude. I, I, you should feel pretty honest. And I, and I am, and I appreciate you, Vince. You're a true gentleman, and you a great friend. How can our listeners support us? I feel like we have to take the opportunity to do this because we don't frequently. Yeah, that is rare. Um, I think staying up with us on the internet is probably a good way. I think the best ways to do that would be to. Listen, <laughs> I was helping my mom with this the other day because she said she wanted to listen to the show, but she didn't know how to get it on her phone, and I showed her the joys of the podcast app. Uh, it's <laughs> quite easy. You just search 10,000 hours, and then all of our episodes go right on there. So that's probably the easiest way to listen. That's how I listen to all my shows. Um, besides that, signing up for the email, we send out an email every week with the new episode in the last two episodes. And then uh, following us on Twitter, probably. I mean, Facebook's kind of a dead zone, but we like to tweet occasionally, and that's a good way to support us. And, of course, um, maybe just sharing the show, if you like it, with somebody who also might like it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll just add quickly, if this is your first listen, then you should go back exactly one episode to our Best of Season 2. Mm-hmm. That's a good way that's to get in the show. Really fun to do, and it's really... An easy way to share it if you like it. Yeah, certainly, 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 Vince. Man, I'm wondering, do you have any last thoughts on this on this inaugural? No, no, it's not inaugural, is it? Even though it's the start of a season? It is. Well, yeah, that is, that's right. That's Isn't it? That's it, right. It wouldn't be a 10,000 hours episode if I wasn't trying to learn the proper usage <laughs> of a vocab word. Uh, yes, this season's inaugural episode. Um some last thoughts on self-definition. Yeah, uh, I would. I would um, say maybe as my my standard cop-out answer, don't go too far in either direction. The, thir- um, the third way, the middle round. The middle exactly. Round. It's a balance. Uh, certainly, do not sit, indulge yourself, and ruminate endlessly over unseen truths about your own character, because that can be counterproductive. But uh, don't don't take this show incorrectly as a f- license to <laughs> sort of reinvent yourself out of nothing and be something you're completely that you're not. Yeah. I would I would say that would be the cautionary tale. You should have agency and control over your own destiny, to put it in a little bit of grandiose terms. But 
uh, don't don't feel like you should write a character for yourself to portray in life. It, ooh, actually, really, really well put, Vince. It's uh, I think if you force it too much, it won't take. You know, yes. it's like it's uh, and that's a super dangerous game. And, and I, that wasn't my point, but that is totally the extreme of what we're talking about. I I guess if I was going to leave us with something riffing from there, it would be that um that. I'm realizing that you do have more agency than I guess I first thought. Um, I really thought about this as like just revealing truth. And I, I think there is something to be said about, about at least nudging that truth and creating a truth that you're happy with. Um, and on that note, you can, it, it's not like you take a step in one direction and all of a sudden you're committed to that. But mm. I do, I do think like the the story or the analogy we've used before of of swimming and treading water and kind of paralysis of choice. I think just like self awareness or just like any of these things, taking a step and moving forward uh, gives you a lot more leverage and a lot more ability and kind of forces growth. And so I would say almost don't be afraid to take risks with that self-definition. And maybe like maybe the like lowest common denominator version of that would be like personal style. And I'm not saying that that's the thing, but just taking a, a risk or a chance in that will almost teach you more about that. And I think will further define where you go from there. And, and either way, it's like that's... I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm excited about self-definition, Vince. I, I'm excited to explore this topic, uh, maybe over the course of the season, even. I I really am looking forward to that as well. I f- I do have the kind of gut feeling that this is something that's going to come up uh, with some level of frequency. Even even when you just mentioned it offhand to me, maybe a week ago when we last saw each other, I've already been thinking about it more. So. Yeah, and it, it's exciting to talk about it because I, it's not like it's not like we sit down and we plan this stuff out. Really, you know, we're just kind of tapping into our conversations. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm genuinely excited about this topic or this idea. And I don't really know even what we're trying to say yet, but, uh, you know, but I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? Is like we we explore it and and it continues to evolve. I couldn't agree more. I I really do look forward to the the conversation it will inform this year. Um, So thanks. Thanks for bringing it up. Thanks for doing the hard, heavy lifting behind the idea, man. Oh, yeah, man. I've been toiling away over here (laughs) just in preparation for season three. A lot of training and... uh, I'm tired, it's but off already. Oh yeah, huge, um, huge first episode of the season, Vince. The people are cheering. In the- I can hear the chorus uh, <laughs> right now. It's can, echoing in my ears. Can we, but, in unison, maybe sign us off? Let's have a first of the year. A, a combo stereo ship it. Oh, nice. So, if we're doing it stereo style, do we have to? Will we will we break up our channels and put maybe me in the right ear and you in the left ear? Uh, well, that that will be up to Pat. I'm guessing <laughs> the now. first challenge of uh, of the year for our editor. <laughs> All right, you want to count us down? Man? Yeah, baby. One, two, three. Ship, Ship it. it.